0: Welcome to Curious and Candid, Conversations with Those in Pursuit of More. Today's guest is Georgie Hobson. Georgie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
0: Cool. So um, I'm uh, excited to kind of get into your uh, backstory, uh, Georgie. Uh, But before we kind of work our way to that, I want to ask you a few questions I'd like to ask. All of my guests, just to kind of get the conversation ball rolling, so to speak. So I would love to know, how do you start your day? Uh, Do you have any specific routine or ritual you like to stick to on most mornings and on most days?
1: Awesome. Yeah, I wake up with the sun pretty much every day, um, if I can. Being in the fitness industry, I actually start before the sun often, uh, especially in the wintertime. So a lot of my classes begin at 5 a.m., meaning that I'm kind of waking up, making coffee, having a scoop of protein and heading right into the studio um, to prepare for coaching. If I'm not doing that, I'm at home waking up with the sun, having coffee, sort um, of protein and taking my dog for a walk.
0: Okay. Cool. Awesome. Uh, 5 a.m. I have 6 a.m. clients. 5 a.m. That's uh, that's pretty early. Do you live close to the gym or? Is it a little, John, how, how uh, early do you get up for the 5 a.m. classes?
1: Yeah, that's a 3.45 a.m. wake up, which is, it's a whole nother level, but honestly, props to the girls that show up and train at 5 a.m. consistently, because I don't know if I can do it. I can coach 5 a.m. I don't know if I could do the 5 a.m.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Um, do you have like an all-time favorite book or a book that you like to gift often? And then also, if you do listen to podcasts, you kind of have a favorite or go-to podcast, Georgie.
1: Yeah, both of these are going to be super popular um, picks. uh, Definitely, I would say that this has changed to Outlive by Peter Atiyah. So that's definitely going to be my go-to gift, my go-to recommendation for anybody who's asking me questions about health, longevity, Etc. cetera. Um, it's kind of a layman's term way to describe how to be healthier, live longer. Um, and then Andrew Huberman, or um, I can get down with a little Andy for sometimes if I need like a little kick in the <laughs> kick in the butt. Um,
0: awesome. Okay. Uh, you're cutting out just a little bit. So can you make sure that you're just kind of maybe scooted a little bit closer or something there you're cutting in and out so okay so yeah that sound better yeah that that sounds good for the moment but sometimes when you were just uh you know talking it kind of cuts out so i just try to maybe stay a little bit closer to your screen there georgie okay um so uh what life lesson have you been taught or have you learned uh in the last year maybe it's been the last six months maybe it's the last couple years but within recent times what do you feel like is a life lesson that you've been taught or that you've learned
1: i would say just perspective yeah. uh nothing is really ever that bad um there's always something more challenging around the corner
0: hmm.
1: okay. and that's just never i think that that's just uh an an inevitable element of life and i think the sooner that you accept that the better off your perceived stress is going to be and happier you're going to end up all around
0: love that absolutely um do you have a favorite quote mantra or word
1: yeah my my favorite quote I don't even know where I got it from but it's been my favorite for years is that you can't get lost if you don't know where you're going
0: yeah okay (laughs) I I, I saw that on your Instagram I actually had that written down so why don't you uh why is that significant or important to you I just think
1: we get so consumed by where we want to be, where we think we should be uh, by our direction, which it's great to have direction, but you have to know that you're never going to end up exactly where you're envisioning yourself to be or exactly who you think you're going to become. And the more you're just kind of along for the ride and knowing you don't know where all of this ends, um, again, the happier and less stressed you're going to be.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like, too, Georgie, maybe that uh, kind of like having that mentality of that quote, it kind of like quote unquote uh, takes off some of the pressure that maybe some of us that are like very driven, very focused, very disciplined, very goal oriented, very like type A. Do you feel like having that mentality or adopting that type of a mentality with that quote uh, maybe like relieves a little bit of that pressure or stress that maybe some of us put on ourselves?
1: For sure. I think there's a good balance between, uh, expectation of the self and that you have so many things out of your control. Okay. And just kind of finding that sweet balance. So that's a good way to put it.
0: Okay, cool. Um, all right. So why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, your childhood? Where did you grow up? What was life like for you when you were younger? Um, just, you know, did you play sports? Were you an active, uh, individual growing up, any siblings. Uh, paint that picture of your childhood for us a little bit, Georgie, please.
1: For sure. Uh, I grew up in a small town in New Mexico. I am the oldest daughter to young parents, 18-year-old um, when they had me. Uh, my dad was in the army. We ended up in back in the town where my mom was from, Las Cruces, and I started swimming at the age of nine. I swam competitively through. Uh, college so I retired when I was 22 so swimming was pretty much the only thing I did (laughs) um if you if you know swimmers or you've been around the sport of swimming you know that it's a two-a-day every day kind of sport Saturday mornings are like these epic four-hour-long practices Mm -hmm. um not much time to do anything else and I definitely dove into specializing in swimming Mm -hmm. Um, I have two little brothers they also swam as well, although they were not as fond of it as I was. They were kind of forced into it because it was convenient for my parents would like pick up, drop off, all that kind of stuff. Um...
0: Um, okay, can you uh, maybe just take out your uh, AirPods, please? Because they're you keep cutting out again. So, and this has yeah. happened before. And when the guests took out their uh, AirPods, it it was just fine. So.
1: All right. Can you
0: hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just try the mic on your phone or the laptop or whatever you're on, if that's okay. So, okay. um, Okay. So you grew up in New Mexico and uh, you, it sounds like you were a swimmer now in terms of like academics, was that something uh, that you enjoyed or did you kind of just go to school? Because like most of us, you, you have to at that age.
1: No, I actually love school. If I could just be a student forever, I would be okay with that. I always joke with my husband that, you know, if someone would pay me to just go to school always, I would. <laughs> I would be the person who would really enjoy that.
0: Hmm. What 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 is it about learning or education that you think that you enjoy so much, Georgie?
1: I love the structure of a class, I think is what I really like. Um, I love looking at a curriculum and knowing what it is I'm going to know by the end of a course, um, you know, specifically broken down into a syllabus, like here is exactly what we're going to learn about here, 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 here. So yeah, the structure definitely. And just having that guidance of just constantly learning something new.
0: Love it. Okay. Let's, let's dive into swimming a little bit. Cause I was on swim team when I was a kid and I actually coached, uh, uh, swimming so uh, I'm obviously not like a, you know a college swimmer like you, but familiar with it at least, right? So sure. um, first of all, were either of your parents swimmers, or did they just kind of introduce you to swimming because they thought it would be good for you to burn off some energy? And then second of all, um, did you enjoy swimming, or was there a point in your swimming career that you maybe didn't enjoy it, but you just continued it because you were maybe uh, good at it, or that's kind of maybe like. All, all you kind of knew at that point
1: for sure uh, i actually started swimming because i was in gymnastics as a little little kid and i was already having some pretty serious injuries uh, to my feet and my mom was kind of like okay you're eight years old you shouldn't be having <laughs> like chronic injuries at this age and so i actually it was recommended to me by a physical therapist to be put into swimming to actually he- help heal and i just accelerated at it super super fast I loved it up until probably junior year of college I kind of was like the idea of not doing it anymore started to get on my radar um and that was when it, it kind of became more of a discipline mm. and commitment to completing the four years and um taking everything I could from it mm. despite kind of wanting to be done
0: yeah um, what, what, what do you feel like, uh, obviously within sport, there's a lot of lessons to be learned and, and a lot of just learning in general, especially when you're younger. So in terms of swimming, what do you feel like was the, 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 the greatest like positive takeaway or learning experience that you went through during your swimming career, Georgie?
1: Yeah, I think time management is hmm. a skill that comes away with you from any sport, but swimming in particular, because like I said, there's just so much time spent training for it. All of the things that go with recovery, um, especially, especially in college, you've got required study hall hours. You've got, uh, 5.00 AM wakeups and in college, that's not a fun or easy thing to do. Um, yeah, I think just time management, being able to kind of put all of your eggs into their baskets and know how to distribute your energy without letting anything fail.
0: Hmm. And so then kind of the, the, the flip side of that coin is what do you feel like was like the most negative aspect of swimming for all of those years for you personally?
1: I think that... Because I've now landed in the fitness industry, what I've noticed is it took me a long time to build up my agility on land, Um, which sounds funky, but if you know swimmers, you were a swimmer, your footwork can be really lacking, Uh, your proprioception on land can be lacking, And that took me a while to build up. And actually the only thing that helped me or the thing that helped me the most was doing some boxing and getting familiar with the connection of my feet to my hands on the earth.
0: Okay. Cool. That's interesting. Um, okay. Now you mentioned that your parents were very young when they had you, was there any, uh, um, uh, I mean, obviously when you have, I can't even imagine I'm in my (laughs) thirties. I can't imagine having, (laughs) a child of my own, uh, as a teenager, but you know, was that, was, was it a, a did you have a good upbringing or was it kind of like, uh, was there, uh, some negativity because your parents were obviously still kids and they're trying to figure their lives out. And then they have a child, like what was the dynamics like for you at home? Was it, was it hard? Was it a struggle? You know, did they do a great job for their age? Talk about that if you don't mind, please.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I think my parents, probably had a lot of hard times, uh, but they made a, they did a really good job at not letting me and my brothers know. Uh, I don't remember conflict at home. I don't remember not, I don't remember feeling like I didn't have everything that I needed, Hmm. but somehow they made it happen. And to this day, I don't know how, especially now that I'm an adult <laughs> and it's, okay. it's hard to make ends meet. And I just can't even fathom the struggle and like the precision that probably went into providing for us, um, in that first 10 years of my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, I had a, a wonderful childhood. Um, and I think the biggest thing that it taught me was that Living small is, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, we had everything we needed. And I just, I see people around me striving for more, 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 more. And I find myself pulling away from that a little bit. And I think that comes down to the fact that I felt as a child, I would have not known if we had more, because I felt like I had everything.
0: Mm. Yeah, uh, I love that, and you're you're out in Denver, which I used to live out there, and that's a <laughs> talk about more, 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 and cost of living, and just like holy smokes, what's going on? That's a that's a whole other uh, ball game out there. Uh, so I love sure. that perspective. Okay, one more thing I kind of want to touch on in terms of your younger years, and then we'll tra- transition into college, uh, Georgie, and move on from there. But um, I I mean I've been podcasting for almost five years, had obviously a lot of females on uh, the different podcasts that I've, that I've had. Um, and, um, I don't know if there's been one that's ever come on. If we ever get to this point and we talk about this, uh, that says that they didn't have some sort of like body image issue or struggle with eating or something in that realm. So being a swimmer, obviously being in a swimsuit a lot, being around other girls, uh, and things like that, did that ever have any negative, uh, effect on you? Like, being a swimmer, being in a bathing suit, seeing other guys, seeing other girls like that. Did you ever struggle with eating um, any body image issues? Like, if so, can you touch on that? If not, that's great, too. For sure. Um,
1: to be completely honest, I never struggled with that. I, I didn't struggle with that until I was done swimming. And it was kind of I was afraid that I was going to lose my athletic Appearance because I wasn't swimming anymore and I thought it just couldn't be possible uh, to maintain an athletic physique um, no longer being an athlete and that's where my concerns really came in growing up and and swimming I think everyone around us did a good job about not talking about physique and focusing a lot on performance so, and I was just crushing it as a swimmer. So I never even thought like, what do I look like? Which I'm so grateful for that. And I'm, a, I, I'm also the age right before social media became a thing. Yeah. So I didn't see anyone except for those immediately around me. And I ate, like I was not concerned about what, <laughs> what I was putting into my body. I mean, looking back, I could have probably performed even better had I actually thought about what I was eating. Um, but I mean, my mom would pick me up from practice, bring me like two breakfast burritos, a chocolate milk, and I would crush it and I would be ready for lunch. I needed a snack before going back in the afternoon. I was, I had no concerns, um, in terms of body image. I thought I was like hot shit. So.
0: Excellent. Well, that's good. Uh, at that age, you know, being a teenager, you didn't, we'll we'll get into maybe struggling with it here in a minute about, uh, you know, getting out, getting out of swimming and, and college, but. Um, one last question, I I gotta ask you: What strokes uh, did you swim in swimming? Like, what were your um, strokes that you were "quote unquote" crushing it in?
1: Yeah, I was a sprint freestyler and a hundred butterflyer. Oh, so, okay. hundred fly, hundred free, fifty free were my like specialties, and that pretty much happened mid mid high school and carried through college. So,
0: butterfly. That's uh. That's a, t- that's a tough one. I could see you. I mean, obviously you're certain, you're burning thousands of calories just being in the pool that much, but then butterfly that's like, that's like full body. Uh, that's, that's intense. So, yeah. um, okay. Now, uh, before we step into talking about college, uh, sometimes not all of us, but sometimes a lot of us, uh, you know, uh, start thinking about on some level when we're in high school, what we want to do or be quote unquote, when we grow up, um, some of us have great direction in that uh, when we're teenagers. Some of us don't. But did you have any thoughts outside of being a college athlete? Did you have any thoughts of like you what you wanted to do or be uh, when you again quote unquote grew up? Once you went to college, obviously you swam, but what did you study? And then um, once you graduated from college, whatever you studied in college, whatever you were thinking about, you know, doing. Uh after college, did life take you in that direction or did life take you in a different direction? Why don't you start unpacking that, Georgie? If you don't mind, please. For sure.
1: Um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm. Um, so I majored in political science, minored in management, and I was gonna take the gap year, you know, between college and going to law school. And uh, I studied for the LSAT, took the LSAT. I did fine. I don't remember what good score even is now because that was 10 plus years ago. Um, Took the test and was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to start applying to schools. And this was right around the time when I had just graduated college and I was going through this transition of how do I maintain this athletic ability through my 20s, through my 30s and so on. And that was a huge priority of mine which kind of ties into, um, back to college and swimming, being a sprinter strength training is super important. Yeah. Um, being strong, being powerful. So I had a great relationship with my strength coach at the university of New Mexico. And, uh, he got me to a point where when I was starting to burn out and swimming, I was like, Oh, well I just won't swim today. I'll just go do, I'll just do more strength training. He was kind of like, "Come right. Right. Like I can come in for another session. Um, so he taught me a lot. I started getting really into strength training at this time when I was studying and taking the LSAT. And then I had a friend of mine, her name was Mallory, and she's like, "Hey, you would actually be a really good personal trainer."
0: Mm.
1: And I'm like, "Okay, like I could do that on the side like while I'm in law school or whatever." And uh that's kind of how that began. And then I I had a an interview which they I don't remember as part of this program where If you're pre-law, you try to find out, you know, what type of law you would want to get into, et cetera. And every conversation I had with a lawyer, they told me, don't be a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) They were basically like, Hey, like, do you enjoy life? Do you want to have time? Okay. Don't be a lawyer. And I was like, okay, wow. You know, um, cool. Cause I was already starting to get kind of on the fence, which happens as we know. Um, so that quickly evolved into me doing, I did an, a master's program with Concordia online in human performance. Um, and that just kind of led me in a completely different direction. This was around the age of 24.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, one quick step backward before we uh, move forward. Um, how, how, did, how did becoming a, or why did you want to uh, initially become a lawyer? Like, how did that kind of get... Ingrained in your your brain, so to speak.
1: I honestly have no idea. I think someone else probably told me that I would make a good lawyer. Okay. um <laughs> Maybe just by the way I argued, or I don't know, something like that. <laughs> and I just thought, like, oh yeah, I would be a pretty good lawyer. And honestly, like looking back, I probably could have been a great lawyer, but I wouldn't have been living the life that I yeah. love living.
0: So right, right. okay. Now, um, in terms of like personal training and fitness, um, I know you said you had a great relationship with your strength coach at uh, the University of New Mexico. But before college and before your experience with the strength and conditioning coach at your college, did, were you ever exposed to like um, the fitness industry or, uh, you know, um, personal training or, or anything like that outside of like for athletics or, or not?
1: Not outside of athletics, no, we would have a day or two of strength training when I was in high school, um, especially during the summertime, where we just went to the gym with our swim coach. And whether or not they actually knew what they were doing is a whole nother question. But we would go and we would play around with some weights and like do some things. And that was really the only uh background I had.
0: Okay, cool. Okay. Now I want to touch on uh what we uh mentioned a little bit earlier. So um you're done with swimming and then you said that's kind of when you started struggling with wanting to keep your athletic build and and maybe your a little bit of your body image so would you kind of walk us through um you know i know it's been a while ago but like what was your mindset you know finishing up with with college swimming you've been a swimmer your entire life for the most part an athlete so what were those thoughts that you were kind of having at that time when you're done swimming about your body image, wanting to keep your athletic build, probably not wanting to put on weight because that's what, you know, a lot of times uh, people think about getting, uh, you know, uh, putting putting on that extra weight. So would you walk us through kind of your mindset and some of those thoughts that you were having? And then how did you kind of shift your mindset or, or how did you kind of work through that or break through that? And how long did it kind of take you? Because sometimes... We can struggle with that, uh, those thoughts and that mindset for a lifetime. Sometimes we can break through it and move on, but everybody's different. So touch on that, please, Georgie.
1: For sure. Uh, I remember a very specific moment where one of my teammates and I went shopping for a dress that we were wearing sometime around graduation. So we had finished swimming in February. So we're, you know, we had two, three months left of school. We had bought these dresses I remember they're, they're in size extra small from like BB or something terrible like that. And it was like, we used them as we, we quote unquote said, this is how we'll know if we've gotten fat, if we can't fit into this dress anymore, like we will look back and we'll know, okay, this was our size and mm. you know, whatever. So I still have that dress It's actually in the closet here in the guest room, which cool. is hilarious because I just realized it's sitting in my eyesight. Um, but That started pretty much immediately after school. And my approach was to kind of train as much as possible. Um, It was like, okay, I'm going to run. I'm going to go do two hours of cardio. And then I'm going to strength train four or five days a week and finish every strength training workout with 30 minutes on the stair climber. And that's kind of how it started. I got into following actual strength training programs after that, which was a little bit helpful because I was getting really strong. Um, stronger than I was even as a swimmer because it's just a a level of fatigue that you no longer have. Um, So I was able to see real strength gains
0: Mm.
1: and that kind of helped me slow down this overtraining mentality. However, I would say that I was still in the gym for way too long (laughs) and way too frequently, probably for the next five years. And I remember at one point weighing 15 pounds less than I had as a swimmer. And my dad being like, whoa, you're kind of wasting away, you know, and um, and I was dieting kind of hard, kind of like bodybuilder dieting. I went through that whole under eating, over training, being smaller kind of thing. And I didn't get out of that until moving to Colorado in 2018 um, when I started training a lot less and eating more for performance. So not thinking about eating so small, focusing on eating for nutrition, uh, not being hungry all the time, but feeling satisfied from every meal, um, basically just not restricting. And I felt like my physique actually improved with Mm -hmm. a little more rest and a little more mindfulness towards nourishing my body instead of, um, depriving it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Now, when you were uh, 15 pounds lighter than you were when you were a swimmer, uh, did you how how did that like with your when you when you saw when you looked at yourself in the mirror? Okay, because I come from a bodybuilding background and I'm have had a bodybuilding podcast, so I'm very familiar with all that. That's a whole that's a that's a wild world there. But um, when when you looked at yourself being 15 pounds lighter than when you were a swimmer, like looking at yourself in the mirror did you see yourself 15 pounds lighter or, or was, were you kind of like developing that mind of like, I've got to be, I've got to be thinner. I've got to be smaller. Like talk, talk a little bit about that because like, that is a very dark path to go down uh, when you're a, a man or a woman or a, a human being. And there's a lot of people that like, I don't know if they ever recover from going down that dark path because it Absolutely. it's, we, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we see one thing and then like your dad, he sees you and he's like, whoa, like what's going on here? Other people see a whole different thing. And it's this whole psychological whirlwind and storm and, and there's a lot of darkness. And then there's a lot of other things that come to light in terms of like anxiety and depression. It's like it's 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 a dark path. It's a dark hole. I've been there. I've talked to a lot of people who have been there. Did you ever go through that talk about that Georgie? For sure.
1: I I don't know that the depth of it was that severe. Um I don't I think that I went through a really shitty year in my life at the time where I kind of gave up on striving for this like super lean physique cuz I had so much going on that I didn't have a choice. I a bunch of personal things happened basically at once in my family. And I was working in Broomfield and living in Colorado Springs. And so I would drive, which, you know, you know, that journey, it can be, it can take you two and a half hours to travel that distance at the right time of day. And so I didn't have any extra time. So I would work out Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, maybe try to get in a lunchtime circuit if I could. And I think that was actually weirdly good for me because it forced me to realize that I didn't have to continue to strive for this insanely lean body. I didn't need to diet. I didn't need to train six days a week to be strong or to appear to have an athletic physique in the eyes of others. Mm. Um, My body didn't really change that much uh, in that time when I was hardly training. Um, does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. yeah so I think it was kind of when I started to have a little bit of that perspective that I talked about in the beginning where, uh, you know, we get all stressed about like how, how our bodies look and we get obsessed with this concept of a lean physique and how do others see me and how small can I be as a female? And all of a sudden something happens and you're like, okay, that actually doesn't matter. <laughs> me getting enough rest and me feeling good on a day-to-day basis as I go through this like shitty time is way more important.
0: Right, right. Um okay, now um let's uh let's get into a little bit of like uh, becoming a personal trainer and stepping into the fitness industry because that's a whole nother monster in of itself. The fitness industry is is uh is uh, a unique industry to say the say the least. And then obviously. Um, you know, uh, we're kind of, I think probably around the same age, like you said, you grew up pre-social media as did I, but then with the, the, the advent of social media, specifically like Instagram, I think it really started blowing up. Maybe like, I don't know, 2014, 2015, 2016, that has just added another element, the point that I'm trying to get at to the fitness industry. Right. Um, so, uh, talk about becoming a personal trainer. Uh, and then just talk about like your journey as a trainer, um, and, and how you've maybe like, uh, changed as a trainer, what you've learned as a trainer and, um, just kind of like that, uh, transformation, so to speak.
1: Yeah. I, so as I was working on my master's, I was living down in the Florida panhandle. This was right after college. I was working for a chiropractic clinic. Um, and I would write little kind of rehabilitation programs. Uh, I think I already had my NASM certification at this point mm-hmm. as well. So had NASM cert was working on my master's, uh, working with chiropractic patients on just rehabilitative stuff, teaching them how to engage their core, strengthen their glutes, things like that, because they're dealing with chronic low back pain. And then I started seeing, uh, training women in my own garage, And also training women in their garages. It was a predominantly military area. So there were a lot of military spouses who were maybe home with kids who couldn't leave their house. So I would travel to see them. And that's really how I got started training. Um, Yeah. So that's how I started. Then fast forward through that. That's what I did my first several years of personal training. And I moved to the Colorado area. I had a brief stint in, um, gosh, what is it? When you work for a bigger company, you're
0: like, oh my gosh. Like the global I gym or something?
1: No, I worked in, uh, corporate, corporate, corporate health. I don't know why I could not, re- I'm like, whoa, it was only okay. exactly one year. And the reason that that ended was because of COVID. So Um, I spent one year working for Elevation Corporate Health, where I would go, essentially, I had a normal kind of like nine to five-ish job, varying schedule, but I would go into the CenturyLink Mm. office, and they had a gym there, and I would run some fitness classes and so on, and this was kind of my way to have consistent income, quote-unquote, in the fitness industry, because As you know, that is one of the biggest challenges. Personal trainers are known to have like seven different jobs or revenues because it's so hard to build up a clientele base and or be in a space where you can make enough money without having a million side jobs. So um, that was kind of my idea, getting into corporate health. Then COVID came around, CenturyLink office closes and we're completely online and I could not bear (laughs) <laughs> to do that type of work online, I was on Zoom doing these like stupid Zoom classes, and I'm just like, okay, this is not for me. At this exact same time, I had gone into a boutique gym, uh, used to be known as Vital Strength and Fitness, mm. um, downtown Denver. I was working out there mm. and was approached by the ma- the owner. And he basically said, hey, you look like you know what you're doing with a barbell. Do you want a job? <laughs> and I was like, yes, actually, I would love a job. <laughs> so um, this was right before the gym closed, of course. But I had that connection established. And so we, were, we weren't closed for a super long time in Denver. I think it was only two or three months that the gyms were closed. We reopened and it just my my career really took off from there in the private, uh, personal training sector.
0: Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit of let's, let's touch on, uh, uh, kind of like, uh, let's, let's touch on the COVID stuff just, uh, lightly. I I don't want to talk about COVID of course, um, (laughs) because (laughs) no, no, we're we're not going to go there. Uh, but anyways, I do want to talk about, uh you know what you just kind of mentioned like your your clientele exploded like once the gyms reopened out there in Denver so how did your clientele kind of explode like walk us through that but before we get there because i i uh whatever your perspective is on covid we all uh those those of us who are open to learning we all learned something about ourselves we all learned something about other humans we all learned something or some things during the, the COVID times, right? Like that's, I mean, something yeah. that worldwide worldwide pandemic, like you're, you're, there's something to be uh, learned <laughs> from that experience, right? If, if you're open to learning. So what did you kind of learn personally, not that you didn't like doing the, like the, the Zoom stuff, we already touched on that, not not like professionally, but personally, what did you learn about yourself or what did you learn just in general about humans or life during that time? And then why did your uh, fitness career, your training career, your clientele explode um, after the gyms opened back up in Denver?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think short answer is I learned that I am not a human that thrives without human to human interaction. I had a roommate at the time and she was awesome. We entertained each other the best that we could. Um, but there was a, there was a quick, a quick limit to that. And I actually ended up spending some time back home in New Mexico. I think I was there for almost a month. My brother went home too. Cause you know, we were both working online or like, why not go like hang out in the desert for a little while and just like be together because there was nothing better to do really. Um, But yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is just that, you know, we, I get kind of exhausted in the fitness industry by having to interact with people all day long. But then at the same time, I can look back and remember how exhausting it was to not have that interaction and to not be face-to-face with those people. Um, And it, again, it's that perspective, right? It just threw everything for a loop and showed me how grateful I really was for that human interaction. Uh, I think in terms of what it taught me about like people and the world, it was just that everyone is is so afraid and nobody really knows anything. Yeah. Um, and and that was just so eye-opening um to watch just how different people perceive this like unknown threat. You know, it was just it was just wild. Mm.
0: And then uh, touch on uh, why you feel like or why you know, if you do know, uh, your career kind of exploded after the gyms opened back up there in Denver, Georgie.
1: So I think Denver is a unique space, a unique hub for fitness and uh, health and wellness in general. And I think a lot of people in the Denver area kind of took the side of, whoa, I can battle this COVID thing by being healthier. And I swear that that gym just exploded right when we reopened. I think people just realized that their health needed to, they had the information to realize their health needed to be a priority. And there were a lot of people who had con- who had considered hiring a personal trainer prior to COVID, who it was just kind of like that extra push, like, okay, the gyms are open. I've been wanting to do this. I now have all this money saved. I'm going for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So, Now, <clears throat> I want to talk quickly, uh, or it doesn't have to be quickly, but I just want to touch on. So, you know, I, I'm assuming like a lot of us in the fitness industry, as we, um, you know, are learning about ourselves as we are going through a, a transformation personally, that usually coincides with us learning and, and going through a transformation professionally as a trainer or a gym owner or whatever your avenue is within the fitness industry, like that, that's, that's usually like, uh, 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 you know, one one in the same thing, right? I, I found that in my own life and a lot of other people in the fitness industry I've talked to. So I'm assuming as you're going through your personal transformation and kind of learning what works for you, what doesn't, uh, in terms of your your training, spending way too much time in the gym, and then kind of being forced to only train a couple times, uh, you know, a week, and kind of going through all that. So, how how has your training uh, as a personal trainer, as a as a fitness industry uh, expert, so to speak, how has how have you transformed as as a on the business side of things, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that that's kind of a twofold. Thing I think learning how to sell the value of personal training is something that I've mastered, uh, and that take that was part of that evolution. You know, making people see personal training as an investment in their life. Um, and even if they train with you for two years and they get really good, you know, they have really good form, they they know how to put together a workout, and they decide not to continue. To me, that's still a win because I just taught someone a skill that they can utilize for the rest of their life. And so that's really how I view it. Um, And then on the other side, more of the science side of training is that the simpler you keep your programming for the gen pop, the better, Um, and just get people strong first and understanding how to move and stop making it so fancy and complex and just, stick to the foundation and people are going to get so much more from it and be injury proof and under and and feel good. And as a result, they're going to do it for a longer period of time and just, just stop making it so complicated.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's great. I, I had a, a strength and conditioning coach uh, from uh, an SEC school on the podcast here in the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's great because you just said, basically keep it simple. And that's exactly what he said, training legitimate D1 athletes that may go on to have a professional uh, sporting career. He's like, just keep it simple. And that's something that I've learned as well, uh, being uh, kind of in the fitness industry. Now, um, I wanna go back to uh, this this human connection topic, because uh, this is something that I personally have uh, uh, come to kind of realize uh, post COVID era. So I've done, you know, uh, I currently own a gym. I do in-person personal training. I did uh, in-person personal training uh, at an Anytime Fitness in a suburb of Denver when I was out there. Had a lot of experience with in-person personal training. And I I enjoy it. I love it. I, 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 I want nothing to do just like you. No, I'm not doing anything behind the screen. I'm not doing any Zoom stuff. That's not me. I want to be in person, feeling that person's energy, making eye contact. And so what I've kind of like, learn post COVID. And I feel like uh, is going to be important for those of us who are in the fitness industry that are trainers that are doing personal training. I, I really feel like we're going to see a, a, a greater need and explosion of people wanting in person, whether it's personal training, one on one group training, uh, in person group classes, whatever. But I feel like not just you and myself and people in the fitness industry, but the Mankind as a whole post-COVID realizes the importance of in-person human connection. And so I feel like the fitness industry, as more people are trying to go online, there's all these online coaches because you can maybe make more money. It might be a little bit easier scheduling and all, excuse me, all that stuff. But people need, human beings need in-person human connection. And that's going to be a valuable tool that we can provide if we know how to do that. We're already doing that. Would you touch on that? Do you feel like we're going to see more people wanting in-person classes, personal training as we move forward uh, within fitness, within kind of the, the gym scene?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that we're only seeing the start of that. I think we're just now seeing kind of this evolution of the remote work environment and people are starting to pull back away from that and realize Like you were just saying, just being in front of people is a critical piece of being a human. And I think that Kalo, where I'm now uh, working, which is a women's only strength training facility, we do small group and personal training. We are just doing great in this aspect of in person training because we focus on community. And there are so many women out there just looking for a community to be a, be a part of, but be also get their fitness from. And it's, it's just wild to see how this community has grown and evolved. I've never seen anything like it, especially amongst just women, because that is a hard area to navigate because some women can be nasty and, and so on and hateful, but We've created this like wildly judgment free, nurturing, just freaking awesome community. And it's just it's just growing like like wildfire. So
0: okay. So let's talk about uh Kalo fitness. Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Kalo? Okay, cool. So uh uh now with Kalo Fitness, you just said it's 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 uh all uh ladies. So when um, let's let's just talk about like when you have a like a, a new member or a, a new uh, lady that you know wants to check out a class and 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 all that stuff like when they're coming to you guys and they're you know you you're getting to know them maybe they join or however you guys do all that stuff they they become a part of your community let's let's leave it at that and they start opening up and 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 sharing maybe their story with you or the other trainers the other ladies there like. Are you kind of seeing some similarities of some of the needs that these ladies are um, looking for or that they have uh, when they come to this Kalo fitness community? And if so, what are some of those needs? What are those similarities that the ladies are um, sharing with you guys?
1: Yeah, I would say 100%. We get a ton of women who they're really driven women who have kids, businesses so on they're so freaking busy and they've been working out you know a lot most of them but they're doing these really high intensity or moderate intensity rather (laughs) uh classes right where they've no one's taught them how to move they're going and they're burning calories but they end up feeling like shit because they're they're just overdoing it their adrenals are just constantly going 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 because they're going from this moderate intensity workout where they're like doing sprints and a bunch of just garbage strength training and then they're moving into take getting their kids to school and then they're going to work and they're picking up their kids and then they're making dinner and then they're doing bedtime and they're doing sports and they're doing all these things and they're just going all day so i i would say women come to us like hey why am I exercising? And I feel so terrible, or I can't stop gaining weight, or I can't I seem like I can't get control of my stress or of my life, you know, and that's where Kalo is like way different is we actually focus on finding that or encouraging that balance Mm -hmm. um, in the life and making it more of a lifestyle of training and not just show up and get your ass kicked and then be on your way. Um, it's a much deeper connection than that. We go as far as training people to control their stress response. So at the end of every workout, we actually focus on just breathing for like three mm-hmm. minutes Love that. and sending them out of the door in a state of calm and like being proud of themselves for having shown up and worked and worked out, but feeling this sense of ease and the mind and the body and knowing they can control that with their mind and their breath anytime they want.
0: So it kind of sounds like you guys are taking a holistic approach to how you are um, training these ladies that come through your door. Is that fair to say? For sure.
1: And we try to find this awesome balance of discipline Within the strength, right? You know, because there's a difference between being soft and saying, like, oh, I don't really feel like doing anything today. And I don't want to move heavy weight today. And being like, okay, well, you're going to. And then at the end of the workout, we're going to give you the room to breathe and calm down and, you know, try to find that balance of you can still show up and work hard, even if you don't quote unquote feel like it. And you can still leave here feeling good, even though you came in feeling tired.
0: Right. Okay. So when a lady comes through your guys's doors, walk us through um, what that looks like in terms of how you welcome them. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I know some of the ladies that, I mean, I know uh, the co-founder Jordan, she's been on a previous podcast that I had. Um, I know uh, I believe uh, Jen from just be kitchen uh, is a member there. She does workouts there. I've seen her post some stuff about, Halo on her Instagram. She's been on my podcast in the past. Awesome girl, but um, so I, I think you probably got get a lot of referrals and stuff like that. But when somebody walks through your guys's front doors, how do you welcome them? Like, what is the process of you guys bringing somebody into your community? I I, I just want to, you know, uh, not necessarily get all of your guys's secrets, but I I want to kind of like share with the listeners how you guys are doing it different. Because as we know, there's so many different ways and different models within the fitness industry, and a lot of them are trash, a lot of them are junk, a lot of people's fitness experiences through the Globo gyms and the Planet Fitnesses, and there is no community. It's just go in, put in your AirPods, do your thing and leave. But the focus of Kalo and kind of like this conversation is this, this community aspect and human connection. So how do you guys welcome Uh, somebody uh, into your community when they walk through the door? Can you kind of walk us through that process so that we can kind of at least get a glimpse of how you guys are doing it different from other um, gyms?
1: For sure. Uh, We actually require a consultation before becoming a client. So we do that for a couple of reasons. Uh, One to increase buy-in between the client and our studio, because we want people to come and stay a while. We want to have the opportunity to actually impact their life. And if people are not ready for that commitment, we're not ready for them because the time that we invest in each individual is uh, is very unique. And we don't want people who are going to come and train for three months and try to lose some weight or something and then just kind of fall off the map. So we actually require that they have a consultation with either Jordan or Nicole, um, the two owners and following during that consultation, they discuss things of, you know, why, why Kayla, why strength training, um, a little bit about their background, a little bit about their, their life, um, their schedule areas that they know they need to improve in, or they want guidance in. Um, and we just kind of asked them, are you, are you ready to commit, you know, we prefer twice a week in the studio, but even if they can only make it consistently once a week, you know, it's we're still making a difference um in that aspect. So after the consultation, whole group get or all of the coaches get an email with a breakdown about this person. So, you know, who they are, what they've been doing, what injury they might be struggling with. Maybe they're six months postpartum and they're really trying to get a workout routine going again from baby. Maybe they used to work out a lot and then they just hit a wall and didn't do anything for two years. We get all of that background information via email as a coach. And from there, they spend at least four sessions in private training with just any of the coaches where we make sure that they understand how to move. Mm -hmm. Some people think they do and they don't. And we spend some time refining them. So maybe that ends up being eight sessions, 12 sessions, whatever that is all we do in that time is focus on teaching them foundational movement patterns and making sure that they are at a base level of strength and movement where they can move into a group and not be overwhelmed mm. and feel like they don't know what's going on. Mm. So from that personal training step, then they could, they have the option to move into a small group or they can stay in the private training, whichever they prefer.
0: Yeah. And that, that's super cool. I, I love that, uh, that model. Um, now, uh, in terms of, uh, let's touch, touch on strength training. Cause you've, you've mentioned that, and you've kind of made that clear that that's a part of, uh, what you guys do with your clients. Why is strength training so important for females? We know it's important in general. Most people kind of know they should be doing some sort of like lifting weights or strength training, you know, bones and all that, but specifically why is strength training very important for females? And why do you guys feel like that needs to be incorporated in your personal training sessions, your class sessions every time that you do it? Like, why is that a big part of Kalo fitness?
1: Yeah, so I think that a couple different ways to answer that. But number one, we chose, well, oh, okay, not we, because I wasn't part of the foundation, but knowing the owners personally, we chose to focus on strength because that is an area that is lacking. For females specifically, there are not any studios that genuinely focus on strength and on being focused on getting stronger and gosh, this is just a multi-faceted, (laughs) I'm like feeling myself pulled in all these different directions. But um, (laughs) yeah, there's just nothing else out there for women to just focus on being stronger and picking up heavier things and moving them with intention and just the confidence that comes with getting stronger. I have girls that come in that will tell me I I can never touch a barbell. And I'm like, well, I'm going to show you uh, otherwise, you know? And of course we start with kettlebell dumbbell, but then, you know, they get that bar on their back and they do, Mm -hmm. you know, 10, 10 reps of a back spot with just the bar. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, mind-blowing, the transformation that occurs for that female when she realizes how capable she is. And that translates into so many areas of their lives in ways that I didn't even know were possible until working with just women. Um, And just the excitement that comes from, you know, I was in my basement the other day and I needed to pick up this box, you know, full of whatever supplies, and i didn't have to ask my husband to come down and get it for me i just picked it up and i carried it up the stairs or you know i could grab something from up high and i was able to like lower it down and it's it's wild just like the little things that <laughs> that these women notice just from being stronger but i think that another huge component is with pre and postpartum women um with low back pain pain in general, uh, core strength. I've seen women come in who've had multiple children and they're just in so much pain Mm -hmm. and getting stronger with, I mean, within a month they feel better. it's like all of these pains that they have have gone away and it's because they've just been doing cardio or moderate intensity. And it's instantly with, with becoming stronger and moving with intention, they suddenly are pain-free. And that's where I just, I can't get enough is (laughs) just when women come in and they're like, you know, I've had back pain for five years. I can't do a deadlift. I can't do this. I can't do that because of my back pain. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hold up, let's rewind and let's relearn all of these things because you, you can actually prevent back pain from knowing how to deadlift and being able to move weight with intention, yeah.
0: Um, one other thing I know, and I'm I'm no expert in in female strength training by any means, but I know like you know after uh, uh, women have like babies and stuff, like you know like the 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 the, the like the pelvic floor and and that whole kind of area that can give a lot of ladies a lot of uh, I guess issues, maybe for a, a lack of better terminology. So in terms of like, kind of like the core, the pelvic floor, like all of that, that's more, uh, obviously going to be female related. I'm assuming that you probably see a lot of, um, you know, ladies struggling with that type of stuff. So walk us through, like, you know, kind of like talk, talk about like the pelvic floor. Like, uh, how do you guys kind of like focus on that? Is that uh, something that you do see a lot of the ladies that come through Kalo Fitness struggling with just, just touch on that because there's probably going to be a few ladies that listen to this and this may hit home and, 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 uh, help them out.
1: Absolutely. So we have a really unique, uh, referral network actually at KLO. And if someone is struggling with pelvic floor specifically, there's obviously a lot of things that just doing like squats, glute bridges, bird dogs, Mm -hmm. dead bugs, things like that can help, but really, there's a certain point where we want to refer them to someone who's a professional. And, um, we have Dr. Amy Osborne on our staff. And so she is our number one referral for somebody. And, and typically as far as I understand, which I've never had to see her personally for that reason, but, uh, she's able to help them in just a few sessions and they're able to apply what she teaches them in session to their small group session or their private training session to help them excel faster and get pain-free a bit faster. Uh, We also have Rachel Sapinski on staff who is a pre-postpartum training specialist. And so a lot of our gals who are either pregnant or just had a baby will work with her on reestablishing that connection to the deep core and to the breath and just like learning how to connect again to the body after all of these changes had occurred. And so we we just have so much depth of knowledge within the studio in those areas.
0: Okay. Uh, Something else I want to touch on kind of specifically uh, again, obviously with, with ladies, but you just mentioned it. Like uh, when somebody, when a, when a lady gets pregnant, I see a lot of ladies that are working out, they get pregnant. And I, of course I don't understand, but I know there's morning sickness. (laughs) There's a lot going on, especially in that first trimester. I, I get all that, but I think a lot of ladies kind of use that maybe as, an, as as some sort of an excuse to say, well, I'm pregnant. That means I need to eat more and no more gym or no more barbell or no more lifting. Right. <laughs> that that's the furthest thing from the truth. I know that for sure. Uh, and science makes that clear. So let's talk a little bit about somebody finds out that they're pregnant. Uh, and uh, you know, how do you guys approach that at Kalo fitness? And is that a ticket for them to eat more food, whatever they want specifically, and stop coming to the gym and stop working out, like touch on that. Cause I, I again, I, I work with some females and I'm not a female training expert, but I, I do get passionate about that because I see way too many ladies eating garbage food because they think it's okay to, and they basically stop working out. And that's just not, that's just not the right perspective from my perspective
1: totally um it's actually that we're getting real personal here but i'm actually in the first trimester of pregnancy so i can actually speak to this very perfect, very perfect. you were you were right on point here but um yeah it is wild because we are told so many different it's there's so much conflicting information out there still coming from the doctor coming from studies that i read coming from things that i know to be true just in my heart even if there is no specific evidence of this but anyhow Um, no, you should never stop strength training because you found out that you are pregnant unless that, unless you have some sort of complication that requires you to rest. Obviously, I think the biggest thing here is that you have to be able to identify when you are so tired that you should not train because there's a wild amount of fatigue in the first (laughs) trimester. I mean, I'm more tired than I thought was humanly possible. But I also have really good days where I, I can, I can train, like Mm -hmm. I can move heavy weight, just like normal. Um, and I think that the biggest thing is just being so in tune with your body, like listen to your body is movement going to help you today Mm -hmm. or is a nap going to help you today? And just finding that balance and just don't stop, don't stop training because that first trimester is critical in so many ways physiologically but also in how you're going to evolve in fitness and strength for the rest of your life beyond pregnancy that first 12 weeks is like can you can you train 2 to 3 times a week during this first 12 weeks then you can do this for the rest of your life and it's if you stop now you're it's just so much harder to go again because it's not like life gets easier once you once you have a bump and once you have a baby it's not like it gets easier you know what i mean so it's like just don't stop Mm -hmm. and if if anything you should eat the healthiest you've ever eaten in your entire life (laughs) in in your first trimester of pregnancy it's like yeah sometimes things don't sound good but we're so quick to discourage women from eating lunch meat and raw fish but we're not discouraging them to eat in and out and fried chicken and it's just like, that's actually just, just as terrible for you and your baby as possibly getting sick from raw, raw fish, you know, and it's just so silly the way that we approach all of it. Um, but long story short at Kalo, our girls know that no matter how early they are, they can let us know that they're pregnant. And really all we do is give them a little more grace, um, for maybe having to reschedule or something like that, you know? maybe they usually come every monday wednesday at 7am and they you know 7am rolls around on wednesday and they're like hey i really want to work out today i just like i can't do it right now can i come at 10 instead or whatever that might look like and we just encourage them to keep showing up just don't stop and get through that point and then it's like oh you're on the other side and you've continued to move and you haven't lost all of your
0: gains and and then also, I mean, you kind of touched on the importance of the 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 mom, you know, the, the 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 woman being pregnant and continuing to exercise. But then also, would you just kind of touch on that the importance of the mom exercising during pregnancy for the health of the child that's inside of them, and also what they're eating. Obviously, that's going that's going to the the child inside of them. So it's like the more garbage you eat, I mean, it. it I mean, my perspective is like you're, you're, you're just you're, you're poisoning your child. If you're going to eat garbage food, you're, you're, you're poisoning your child that's inside your womb. They're going to come out just like if you were smoking cigarettes and addicted to nicotine or on cocaine or something like everything that you do as a as a mom that's pregnant. Is going to have a direct impact on the baby that's inside of your womb, positive or, or negative. So, like if you continue to push through and exercise through pregnancy, that's only going to benefit that child when it's born. I mean, and then there's all kinds of science about that. And then your eating, it's going to directly impact your child and their brain's development, and all that. So can, you, can you also touch on the importance of exercising, eating healthy for your baby as well uh, during that time period?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not a specialist in this area by any means, but I like to feel like I know a lot of things. And really, it just comes down to the basics, like anything that is, is good for you, when you're not pregnant is even better for you when you are pregnant.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, in terms of blood flow, for the baby, nutrients for the baby, it's, it's just like you said, and this goes like super deep for me, I think that a lot of the issues we have in the world start in the womb Mm. and you have so much responsibility as a pregnant woman you're literally creating the future and you just you can't be selfish and succumb to a sedentary lifestyle and a lack of nutrient dense food and let yourself be filled with chemicals and garbage and things because we're all we're all wondering why is the world so terrible right now you know why are all these awful things happening and it's like, it comes all the way back to this and I just believe that at such a deep level, mm. that all of these changes in the world, are are have already begun in that first 12 weeks in the womb. And it's just. I I don't know. I just get like super crazy about this. It's just such a big responsibility to be a pregnant woman. And I take it very, very seriously. And you don't feel like eating things that are good all the time. And, but you just do it because you're going to create a healthy child who is intelligent and, active and just this wonderful person who's going to ch- change the world, literally the more disciplined you can be with yourself
0: while you're pregnant. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. I want to, I want to touch on another topic, uh, that is, um, you know, important to me to touch on within fitness and, 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 and all of that. And, and you kind of mentioned it earlier with your own story, Georgie is like, you know, you were going to the gym, uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, times throughout the week. Like you were, you were overtrained That's what you, 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 in essence said. So that's pervasive in the fitness industry. I've, I've been there. I struggle with that probably every day of my life doing just way too much because, you know, it's just something I've got to work on personally, but, um, female specific, what are some signs I know, uh, Ladies can lose their period. That's like a, a huge sign of overtraining. Uh, you know, specifically again for for the ladies. But what are some other signs that a female is more than likely doing way too much uh in the gym? Uh, probably undereating, and they need to kind of take a time out and take a step back and uh reprioritize or re-examine their training, their eating, their lifestyle.
1: Absolutely. Um, I would say weight gain, unexplainable weight gain. Maybe you haven't changed anything in your routine, in, in your way of eating, and you're just gaining weight. Uh, chronic fatigue. And, and this can even be like you can't sleep well. Um, and that's going to tie in mostly to undereating is going to impact your sleep a lot. But being unable to sleep, chronic fatigue, you leave a workout feeling like trash instead of feeling rejuvenated. Um, exercise should be, of the time you should leave a workout feeling better than when you came in, not feeling like trash Um, and leaving a workout feeling completely tanked, like you need to go take a nap is not a good sign. Um, Chronic like injury or soreness, also not a good thing. Um, And just like lack of drive to Mm. if you feel like every workout you're having to force yourself to go and just like get started. It just really shouldn't be like that. You should have some sort of enthusiasm towards getting to do your workout, getting to move. Uh, if you don't, it's an indication that you might be doing it too much. You might be taking it a little bit too seriously and maybe you need to replace one of your days of training with a nice outdoor walk. Um, something where you don't feel so much pressure to perform and, and be so regimented.
0: And then also, uh, I know digestive issues can be a huge sign of overtraining. Is that something, because, you know, you hear a lot about digestive issues just in general, kind of in fitness, um, it's kind of coming to the light more. Do you have a lot of the ladies there at Kalo Fitness that um, open up and talk about maybe some digestive issues or do you guys not see that as much in your community?
1: Uh, we see a lot of digestive issues. I don't know if they're related to overtraining or just, you um, life, life stress in general, I, with women specifically, when we get stressed, our digestive system just kind of like shits the bed. And, uh, that's another thing that Dr. Amy Osborne is awesome for. Um, I've gone to her personally. I'm like, okay, I've got this, this going on. Like, what does this mean? And she's like, okay, well, we need to look at X, Y, and Z and take a couple steps deeper into like the gut microbiome and figure out what, what is it in our stress, our training or our diet that is creating these digestive ailments that we are seeing and that our girls are not afraid (laughs) to bring anything up to us. And, and that's part of this community is they'll talk about it with the other girls in the group. They'll talk about it with us. They're not afraid to uh, talk about anything that they have going on that they know shouldn't be and try to find a a person to find a solution on that
0: with. Okay, um, so you're kind of, I would say, in a unique uh, situation with Kalo Fitness because, like you've mentioned, and we we've talked about, it, it's it's all it's all ladies, right? I'm assuming in your fitness uh, experience and being a personal trainer, like you've you've trained guys, um, and just like myself, I, I I train ladies, I train guys. Now, from your perspective, do you do you enjoy? Um, or, or let let me let me ask this or word it this way because I, I guess the what I want to get from you, Georgie, is like I know for me uh, you know like I may prefer training a, a, a male or a female for whatever reasons, right? Or I, I specifically enjoy training youth way more than I enjoy training adults. but there's different dynamics, right? Like there's a single trainer, there's somebody that's married or in a, in a, a relationship and there's there's just all these different dynamics, when you're a trainer and obviously you have to stay professional and some people uh, as clients don't know how to be professional and they really open up and there's just a lot, right? So have you found that you um, maybe have grown as a trainer being able to just train females or or how do you you enjoy just working with ladies? Like talk about that and do you kind of understand like where I'm trying to, I don't necessarily know how to ask it, but do you kind of understand like where I'm coming from or what I'm trying to ask?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Training females only. It's a unique challenge because obviously females have a lot more going on hormonally. There's There's a lot more of like the good and bad day kind of thing, whereas men are kind of just like, good morning. What's up? Like, let's do it. You know, it's like very, it's much more simple. So I would say that working with women definitely has improved my more of my ability to, it comes down to really like connection and empathy yeah. um, and just meeting people where they're at. And, and I feel like you don't have to do that with men as much. They're, especially being a female training a man, they always show up a certain type of way. Like they're usually not like whiny to you or like, they're not going to show you like their soft side, which I think is kind of a benefit of a woman training a man for Mm -hmm. the man, at least is that they, they pretty much always show up and like try to do something, you know, (laughs) like they want to show you how tough they are. Whereas women training women, you have to be a little bit, you have to let them be a little bit more vulnerable uh, because of, hormones and family issues and just the stress that women carry on a day-to-day basis so I would say that I've I've improved as a coach because I've had to kind of juggle juggle a lot more than just people showing up and me telling them what to do Mm. it goes it goes so much deeper than that when you're training females
0: right Um, what do you feel like makes you because we all have different strengths and weaknesses. So for you specifically, Georgie, what do you feel like makes you a great trainer or a great coach? And then also, what would you like to work on? What are you working on? What would you like to improve as a coach trainer?
1: For sure. I think that my uh, patience, but also discipline are both really important elements of being a trainer. I am I have no tolerance for just letting people move in whatever capacity they see fit. I mean, I will never have a session where I don't teach someone something new, no matter how long they've been training with me. I just, I want people to master movement. And I will not stop until they are a master of movement themselves. And that just comes to being disciplined and committed to the cause. Like, I I will not let poor form be in my presence. Um, and that's just, that's a strength of mine, um, is just attention to detail. And then gosh, I forgot what I said. Oh, patience, because not everybody has that mindset of they don't, they don't show up every day thinking I want to work hard. I am committed. I want to improve today. I've, I've literally had a client that I asked, like, do you she accomplished something that she thought she couldn't do. And I said, wow, like, doesn't that feel so good? Like you did something that you said you couldn't do. And she was kind of like, no, not really. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) womp, womp, okay. But you push forward and you just keep trying. Like you're just patient, but resilient with your efforts. And I'm not going to lie, some days it crushes my soul. (laughs) And other days I feel empowered because I can keep, keep trying.
0: Yeah, Cool. Um, and and then kind of like, what's, what's an area that you would like to keep working on or improving as a trainer or coach?
1: Yeah, that's a good one. I think that I would love to continue to refine my knowledge in the pre and postpartum realm. Um, It's something that we're passionate about at Kalo, but I feel like I can bring more to the table in terms of the why with women. Um, and I would love to refine that specifically and just mindset, Uh, myself and Nicole Hendrickson have a lot of conversations about how we want to have an element of Kalo where we coach mindset Mm. and just like, how do you, how do you teach other people to have that commitment to just show up your best every day and don't let, don't let the world bog you down and make you less than what you know you're capable of that. And that's another area that I would love to just refine and master is being able to coach other women in terms of mindset. Like, how do we get people to be as good as they can be? How do we get people to show up for themselves and for the people around them? Like, how can we draw out that just like inner grit? Um, And that's something that I would love to get more into, especially as I get older, I'm not going to be in the studio forever. And that is something that I feel really strongly about. And I would love to take that in some sort of direction business-wise.
0: Cool. Okay. So you just said you're not going to be in the studio forever. So do you have kind of like a long-term vision of what you would like to do? Obviously you're, you're, you're a mom, you're going to have that little baby at some point, that's going to change the game, uh, on some, uh, levels, but (laughs) What, what's kind of like the long term vision professionally that you have, at least as we're having this conversation uh, today?
1: Yeah. Um, another conversation that I've had with Jordan and Nicole at Kalo. Um, obviously, I'm not the owner, but they do look out for me in terms of what my future looks like because no personal trainer wants to be in session forever. And we realize that that does come to an end, um, or at least it starts to minimize as we age. So my goal right now, I do all of the programming for Kayla. So I write the small group training. I wrote the personal training kind of um, format for the girls that we are transitioning to the small groups. Um, And that's a huge portion of my income that's done at home. I love that. I love the science of programming. Um, So that is a huge component. And then I would love to get more into the education piece of You know, Kalo eventually will grow, continue to grow and expand. And I would love to become kind of the coach of the coaches where I'm onboarding new coaches and teaching them how to be better coaches, um, not just by in terms of science, but how to be in a session and give everyone a special touch, Mm -hmm. make everyone in the group feel like they are getting that one-on-one feel and what types of cues do you use that resonate with clientele and just kind of how to flow through that and maybe, um, be kind of like the leader of the, of Kalo and in, in the future of that kind of onboarding of new client, clients process. Okay.
0: Cool. That sounds really cool. Now, um, does, uh, Kalo, uh, you know, as a community, as, as you guys are, are coaches and owners and all the, the kind of the, the people behind the scenes, so to speak, of that community, do you guys uh, sit down, uh, do, do do the the owners and, and you guys have conversations about the future of Kalo, like the long term vision of Kalo? If so, what is that kind of looking like, uh, again, as we speak today, um, if you guys kind of um, are, are talking about that, which I'm assuming you probably are?
1: Yeah, so we actually just opened a bigger location, a second location, and that was a huge, uh, a huge step. And so as far as I understand, just with short conversations I've had with them, we don't intend to stop at this location. Um, We hope to expand further, maybe with more locations locally, maybe more locations in other cities and so on and kind of take this brand and just let it let it run. Uh, I think we've got something amazing that can, it's just unstoppable right now. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think we're just open to seeing where this takes us, that the sky is the limit. Um, and we hope to just make an impact in, in the female strength training industry in whatever way possible.
0: Now, this second location that you guys opened up, is that, uh, are you guys kind of going, are they going the franchise route or is it just somebody from the initial location uh, that's kind of just like overseeing the the, the, the new opening or what, what does that look like, like business structure wise?
1: Yeah. So the old location, we were Kalo Fitness and Yoga and we were working out of literally a 700 square foot studio. I mean, it was tiny. I don't even know how we did it to be completely honest, but obviously we were at our max capacity. I mean, we were overlapping with yoga classes and I was having like a strength client, you know, on the rack in the corner. And then she was running yoga over here and someone was running a private over here. It was just like, and we were on top of each other. So now that location has become kind of our yoga and breath work, uh, which is, like I said, a huge component, um, especially for Jordan Baldwin. She's kind of our breath work guru um she takes the lead in that and all of that happens at the old location which is only a few blocks down from the new location uh which is where we've hired a lot of new coaches we have added a lot of new hours to classes the space is i mean at least five times larger than our previous space and we have also added the uh a sauna and an ice sauna and ice component to that new studio as well.
0: Cool. Okay. Um, any, uh, any, are there any, I got to ask this. Are there any dudes that have any, uh, affiliation or anything with Kalo fitness or <laughs> is it all ladies?
1: It is genuinely all ladies other than all of our awesome husbands who like help build things and move yeah. things and, you know, all of the behind the scenes type cool. of stuff, but yeah all the hypes are ladies. We do let men come to a lot of our breath work events. That is one thing that we open the
0: doors to men. Excellent. Love it. Okay. We're going to wrap up here. Um, let's, uh, let's kind of finish up with, um, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, where you're at right now, where you'd like to kind of go professionally. Uh, and then, you know, being a coach, being a trainer who, who have been maybe some of your, uh influences within the fitness industry whether that's you know listening to their podcast you know you know following them on youtube or instagram or maybe you've actually hired your own coach uh like you know who's kind of been like your mentor or mentors have you hired coaches at any time whether for your own fitness or for the business side of things like just talk about the importance if you feel like it's important for a coach or a trainer to have their own coach or trainer, what have you? For sure,
1: I think every person I've ever worked for has had a huge influence on who I've become as a trainer and has been a mentor to me in the time that I spent underneath them. And, I'm, and I mean that genuinely every single person that I've ever worked under has changed my coaching style my perspective on coaching in some unique way. I've never hired anyone, but I've been fortunate enough to work under people who genuinely care about my development as a as a coach, as a trainer, and have taught me more than I thought I needed to know. Um, maybe from the business perspective, science perspective, uh, human connection perspective, I've been so grateful to learn so much. I mean, dating back to my college swim coach, my college strength coach, my, even some of the clients that I've had have, have changed how I coach and who I am. And I just think that that's like an ongoing evolution. Let's just gonna, as long as you're open to learning something from everybody, I think that's, that's how I learn the most is just with all of those interactions. But yeah, definitely just shout out to everyone and anyone I've ever worked underneath because they've made me who I am today for sure.
0: How do, how does your, uh, you, you are, uh, it's you're married, right? Your husband. Yeah. What's his, what's his first name? His first name is Matt. Matt. So how has, uh, Matt, uh, kind of, how, how does he balance you out? How does he kind of help you as, you know, uh, in the personal side or the professional side, like Talk about that relationship, because obviously that's going to be a very important relationship, I'm assuming, in your life now and going forward. So how does Matt kind of like, um, you know, uh, balance you out or kind of help you in in your personal pursuits?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, We actually met working at the same gym. He used to be a personal trainer, too. So he gets the fitness world. Um, He's the most creative person I know. I can get a little bit like science, like in the box like X, Y, Z, and he's kind of like got ideas like coming from right and left fields. Uh, so we definitely balance each other in that way. He has ideas. And then I kind of put them into action and I, it's really interesting because he's still kind of searching for what he wants to do outside of personal training. And he's gotten really into trying to create these rocking races rucking, like wearing a weighted pack. So he created this trail, these trail events where people race with rocks on their back. Um, But anyway, long story short, we are constantly in discussion of our evolution (laughs) for business. uh, For us personally, we hold each other accountable in every way possible, whether it's, you know, workouts sleep quality eating. Sometimes I'm like, Hey, you haven't read your book in a while. And he's like, Whoa, you know, like, (laughs) like back up a little bit here. Okay. But, uh, we just bounce ideas off of each other literally all day long. Um, just so much creativity and, and action. And I'm excited to see where we end up because I just feel like we're in a, a really critical part of, our relationship obviously in lots of in obvious ways, but also in uh ways behind the scenes where we're we're becoming who we're gonna be when we grow up, quote unquote. <laughs> um finally now in our 30s, which is which is just awesome mm, um to to do with him. And yeah, he's just the best mm. the best support system and partner and listener. So
0: cool. Uh now. The, the ultimate question is, did he ask you out first or did you ask him out first? And, uh, you, you guys were both trainers, you said, so can you at least give us a little bit of the behind the scenes of that story?
1: Yeah, totally. So I was actually managing the personal training department that he was working (laughs) in and long story short, it didn't end well in terms of my our jobs there which is why I'm no longer with that gym but um we were really good friends for a while co-workers all that good stuff and everyone was kind of like do you guys like like each other and it was actually my mom who first said Georgie like Matt like he's hot like what's up with this you know like she was just kind of like you obviously like him you know you need to stop denying this and I'm like okay yeah so I definitely made the first move and Matt was just kind of like oh yeah this is cool like I'm (laughs) I'm, I'll go along with this because like I'm not the boss you know like so that was that was a fun uh period of our lives
0: yeah yeah and it's always a fun story to hear and I guess uh thank you mom right
1: right exactly she yeah spot on (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right. So uh, last question, uh, Denver, Colorado. Like I said, I think earlier, I uh, lived there. I lived in Colorado Springs. I'm actually moving back to the Durango area in August. I, I love nice. Colorado. It's a unique place. It's a special place. I always tell people you can visit Colorado as a tourist and get a great experience. But it is 1000% the people that, that are living in Colorado that make Colorado like extra special. That's my opinion. 100%. Uh, so for you, Georgie, like, uh, how do you, how do you like Denver? Denver is Colorado's unique. Denver is <laughs> a whole nother unique. Uh, there's a lot of energy in Denver. There's a lot of younger people. There's a lot of, uh, like entrepreneurs and people that are just young and going for it. I, I, I just, I love that area of Colorado specifically, but, um, for you, uh, What do you like about Denver? Are there any places that you and your husband are kind of like your go-to restaurants or go-to spots? Like, let's just wrap up uh, talking about Denver and then uh, we'll do a quick outro and get you out of here. So uh, what do you got about Denver?
1: I love Denver. Um, I love the Denver area. I love how energetic and inspiring it is. Um, There's always something, some new concept starting. (laughs) Like, it's just like never ending Um, you know, the place where new concepts started used to be like New York and LA, but I feel like the Denver area is really becoming like a hub for like these new ideas, whether that be in like the restaurant industry, the wellness, fitness, outdoor development, whatever that might be. Um, Denver is just like the place to be, I feel like for whatever it is that you're looking for. Um, however, I would love to not live in the city. Um, (laughs) our our five to 10 year goal is to get up into the mountains, whether it just be to evergreen, if that's as far as we can get, but just get a little bit further out of the city. Um, As you mentioned before, the cost of living in Denver has become incredibly hard to uh, keep up with. And I would love to not have to keep up with that. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But in terms of, I mean, gosh, we have... We have great food here. I know that's weird to believe because we don't have like a specific culture, but um, I just love the the healthy eating out options that are evolving here in Denver. We have Just Be Kitchen, like you mentioned, which is like seed oil free, like grass fed everything, just incredible options. And she actually just opened a second location down the street from our house, which has been dangerous in terms of the DoorDash situation. Um, <laughs> so if we eat out, we typically order Just Be, um, we've got some favorite sushi spots. We love Hapa Sushi. Uh, oh gosh, Green Collective Eatery, which they're actually opening a second location on the same block that the new Kalo is opening, and they do uh, you know all kinds of healthy smoothies, coffees, l- like salads, toasts, etc. Um, their owner is awesome as well. Gosh yeah, you're stumping me with that. I'm like, my mind is spinning. Blue Sparrow coffee.
0: What, right. what about uh, any, any go-to like hiking or kind of obviously Red Rocks is there. Everybody would, that's that's a must go if you're a tourist, but any any hiking spots or anything else uh, outside of just the, the restaurant realm of the Denver area?
1: I have a list of hikes <laughs> that is never ending. I always find new ones. I've got 30 right now on my summer list. And that's all trailheads within an hour and a half from the city. Um yeah, I'm go I'm you know, I just started yesterday. We did a Kalo hike and I got one of them off the list and um we'll see how far I get through the list before it switches to next summer's list. But it you could you could hike every weekend Saturday and Sunday and never hit the same trail twice. So
0: It's good. It's very good out there. I I can't wait to get, uh, get back to Colorful Colorado. Okay. Uh, Georgie, we're going to wrap it up here before I do a quick outro and I let you go. uh, If you have anything that you kind of want to share with us, uh, final thoughts, final words. um, If somebody's listening to this, they're out in the Denver area and they haven't heard of Kalo Fitness. And obviously if they're uh, a lady and they want to check you guys out, would you just kind of give like Uh, the location, the website, wherever they can find out more information. I know there's also Instagram and all that. Um, If you would like people to know your personal Instagram, you can give us that. But uh, whatever you'd like to kind of share with us in closing, why don't you uh, go ahead and do that. And then I'll do a quick outro and that'll uh, that'll wrap up our conversation.
1: Sweet. Yeah. If you want to reach me or the Kalo team, kalofitness.com is a good place to start or Instagram, which just, Google or not Google search, Instagram search. Halo fitness will be the first thing that pops up. Um, you will quickly find my personal Instagram. If you go to the Kalo Instagram, um, I will be recently tagged in something or other. Um, yeah, start that consultation process. If you want to come to me directly for a consultation that works as well.
0: That's that. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to do a quick outro and then I'll let you go. But, uh, I just want to say thank you so much, Georgie, for coming on and, sharing your story and, uh, some of your, your life experiences. Okay.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: You're very welcome. All of you who are tuning into another episode of curious and candid podcast, I just want to say, uh, thank you so very much. I appreciate all of you. I value all of you. And, uh, I would love to connect with you. If you guys would like to uh, reach out and connect with me, I'm always down to uh, meet new people and, uh, have those, uh, uh, connections that we, and, uh, that, that we talked about on the podcast today with Georgie. So a couple places you can reach out to me, connect with me. If you like Instagram curious and candid podcast, and then email, uh, curious and candid podcast at gmail.com. Uh, that email is also a great place. If you think you'd be a great guest, or if you have a friend or an acquaintance, you think would be a great guest or guest for the podcast, go ahead, send me an email, introduce yourself, uh, you know, introduce me to your friend or acquaintance, and then, uh, We'll take it from there. Always looking for people that are willing to come on the podcast and uh, candidly share their story with all of us. A huge favor I'd ask of all of you before I let you go today, please subscribe to Curious and Candid on iTunes and uh, leave us a five-star rating and review. And then if you guys are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, you guys can visit my website. That website is training and nutrition.com. Again, I appreciate all of you to uh I appreciate all of you listening to another episode of Curious and Canada and we'll catch you guys next time.